Hey, everybody. This is Karen Stefano, author of The Secret Games of Words. And with me tonight is Ben Laurie, author of Stories for the Nighttime, Stories for Nighttime, sorry, and Some for the Day. How are you, Ben? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Happy Groundhog Day. Happy Groundhog Day, yeah. There's no music or anything for Groundhog Day, huh? <laughs> um, it was it was funny. I was just, you know, I have your book here in front of me, obviously, and I was just rereading your bio on the book, on your book jacket, and it says he likes WGC balls, Groundhog Day, and the Melvins. And I thought, well, that's perfect that we're doing this on Groundhog Day. <laughs> yes, that's one of my favorite uh, movies. They tried to cut that line out of the bio. They didn't think that that was very important. And I was like, that's the most important line. That's the only thing I want in the bio. (laughs) I love it. Um, Yeah, I've seen that movie in the hundreds of times, um, I'm I'm afraid to say. But, um, hey, time well spent, right? Definitely. Um, So, um, then if, if we could just kind of launch right in, I would like to, um, there are so many great stories in this, in this book, but I would like to focus on your story, the TV. And, um, if you have your book in front of you, um, would you be willing to, to read an, an excerpt for us? Sure. I figured I would just read the beginning. Um, One day the man wakes up and finds that he does not feel like going to work. He's not sick exactly. He just doesn't feel like going to work. He calls the office and makes an excuse. Then he pours himself a bowl of cereal and sits down in front of the television. The man doesn't usually have time to watch television so it takes him a while to find a show he's interested in. But when he eventually does find it, he sits wrapped, staring, his cereal forgotten for a very, very, very long time. The show seems to last much longer than a normal show. In fact, it seems to last all day. It is five o'clock before the main character finally leaves his job and heads home, prompting the credits to roll. The man sets his bowl of cereal aside, and stares at the floor for a while. My God, he thinks. He gets up, goes into the bathroom, and gets into the shower. As he washes, he thinks about the show he has just seen. He is shampooing his hair when suddenly he realizes the show was about him. Not kind of about him, not metaphorically about him, but actually about him. That's why the main character looks so familiar, he thinks dunking his head under the water. But how could it have taken me so long to recognize my own self, he wonders. And how did they manage to find an actor who looks so exactly like me? Is that enough? (laughs) Thank you. That's that's fantastic. Um, Such a a great opening um, for uh, such a terrific uh, piece. Tell me, what was what was the inspiration for this piece? Um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of know, but not really. I could say that uh, 
I mean, anytime I sit down to write a story, I, I never have any idea of what's about to happen. That's sort of my rule is to always have no ideas and to just sit down with a blank page and just start with the first image or line that pops into my head and then follow it through wherever it goes. Because um, whenever I have an actual idea for a story, then it all becomes homework and, and, I, and I refuse to do it. So on the one hand, I don't really know. On the other hand, I do remember um, a few weeks before I actually wrote this story, standing in front of my bookshelf and looking at all the books that all I was doing back then was just reading all the time, constantly, just looking at all these books and thinking how strange it was that we just have all these records of people's experience and also just their like purely imaginary experiences that would just kind of line up in these little these little books on the shelves. So it probably came somewhere out of that moment, which is a story about a television and not a story about a bookshelf. But... <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, that, that's that's funny. Um, yeah, I get I get what you're saying though. Um, uh, that's yeah. I mean that. That makes sense. Um, you know, and there, there's so much about the TV um, that fascinates me, but perhaps my favorite is the way this character sits watching his other self and how he tries so hard to figure out what that other self is doing. Does Ben Lori have an other self? And if so, would you care to tell us about that other self? Oh, I don't know. I mean, the, <laughs> in the story, the other self sort of changes. In the beginning, the other self it seems to be all the things that he wishes that he could do or the things that he would do if he actually you know that time or was willing to put the effort into his life um you know so his other self is like going to school and he reads his other self reads the dictionary and is a doctor and stuff um but then over time the other self sort of changes and it just becomes all the things that the the man is not doing um so it starts to include darker and darker impulses so um so there are certainly a lot of other selves that I, am, I do not want to think about. You know, I think it's that if there's another self that I sort of would like to be, if that's the question, um, uh -huh. then I would like to be a musician, what, well, what, of course. Think, uh -huh. and, and what else? Everybody, everybody wants to be a musician, and um, I, I always kind of wish that I had become a scientist. Maybe someone studies physics. I feel like the universe is a very large, mysterious place, and we don't know anything at all about it. And I sort of feel that I blew it by not dedicating my life to actually learning things about where we all are and doing some investigation. I feel like I just kind of let that all go. Um, so that makes me sad. Yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, it's it's funny that you said that, cause, I mean, recently, I don't know if it's like I'm getting older or, or what's 
what's going on, but I'm just so aware lately of time and how precious it is and how I, you know, I wish I had like the time of, you know, about three more lives to do all of the things that I'd like to do. And, um, you know, you, you can't, you know, you can't go through life and have 15 different careers. You might get one or two or maybe three. Let, I, I know you have some questions for me, but before we sort of switch off, um, I want to ask you something else about the story. Um, you know, we can, we can all read a story and form our own interpretation or conclusion of what it's about. Um, but my favorite thing is to ask the author of a story what they, as the creator of the piece, think their story is about. And you've sort of answered this already, but let me pose it to you just more, more directly. Um, what is this story about to you? What is the TV about? Um, well, I think it's a pretty simple story, really. It's just kind of about um, how you have to live your own life and you can't worry too much about all the possibilities that you're, all the roads you're not going down, um, because if you fixate on those, your own is just going to go nowhere, which is kind of obvious and kind of boring. But I don't, you know, I never really think about stories in terms of what they mean. I always just kind of look at them as experiences that you have. Um, so for me, it's just as a story, like even now when I read this story, I get very tense. Like my blood fills up, it's pounding, um, which is strange considering I wrote it and know exactly what's going to happen, but it still freaks me out, which is, which is what I'm looking for, and that's pretty much what I value in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, a lot of your stories freak me out. Um, you know, they're, um, they're, they're, they're fantastic. Um, but, but some of them, you know, they're, they're, um, they're beautifully drawn, beautifully executed, but, um, uh, some of them are quite terrifying. And, um, and so I can, I, I know what you're saying. Um, you know, about like your, you know, like your blood pressure going up as you read, even though you're the creator and you know what's going to happen. So, um, so, you know, I feel like you're kind of a genre all to your own. And if I was describing this collection to a friend, I would say it's, creative narrative fantasy allegory and um that's my i just i've just created a, a new genre uh, that occupies by you but genre wise how do you describe your work to people like if you you know you're at a cocktail party and um you you uh, you describe you describe your work what do you what do you say when i first started sending stories out and they kept being rejected then one time i wrote a cover letter on a submission that introduced the story as a fable, um, which it wasn't. It was sometimes I write stories about animals, but this one wasn't 
a story about an animal. And the stories never have morals anyway. But I introduced it as a fable, and they accepted it. And then I found that calling them fable sort of helped to open a door for people, I think, to let them know that I was writing in sort of very simple style intentionally, and that it wasn't just that I was, like, in fourth grade or something. (laughs) Yeah. I use the word fable a lot, even though it really has nothing to do with what I'm actually doing. It seems to help, though. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, in a way, I mean, it kind of gives, it gives the reader a little bit of a, of a roadmap of, of what to expect, you know, I mean, if you, you know, if you open up, you know, my book and you're expecting, um, you know, erotica, uh, you're going to be sorely, sorely disappointed, (laughs) Uh, you know, so I think, I don't know, I think that's useful. I mean, in a, you know, in a kind of, you know, pitching yourself uh, sort of way. So. Yep. I also like to think about Warner Brothers cartoon. I always, I like to, I like to think of them as like little scripts, cartoon scripts sometimes. I see them in that kind of, I see them as little movies as opposed to, um, well, live action. Yeah, well, that makes, I mean, that's another, that's another good framework, I think, for, for, uh, for previewing your really unique stories for, for a, a reader. So, so you don't, you don't start with, you know, you, you just said there, you know, you don't view these, your stories as fables or um, perhaps allegory. I mean, but, but how do you, how do you start? Tell me about your, your process. Um, uh, I mean, do you start with, with any kind of intended message and write around that? Or is it sort of the opposite? So it's, I start from nothing at all. Um, it's always just one line at a time out of nothing. I just start with whatever. I usually begin with an image, which is often an object, which is why a lot of my stories involve like people coming on strange things in the road or whatever. You know, a man finds a hat or a couple find a canoe or something like that, and then I just follow the character as he interacts with whatever it is he's stumbled upon, or sometimes they'll begin with a line of dialogue that somebody says and goes from there, but um, I never have any kind of message, or I don't even know who the characters are or where they are. I have no idea what's going to happen any time. It's always a complete discovery, and it's fitting and difficult, because what's happened in Sometimes it goes very smoothly, and I just write a story from beginning to an end, and there it is. That happens like one out of every 100 times, and then (laughs) most of the time I write, um, you know, maybe half of a story, and then it's like being trapped in a maze for months and months and months as I try to find my way to the end. Yeah. yeah, I hear you there. Yeah. Usually I kind of figure out what the story is about, 
the very moment when I finish it, you know, I finish it and I say, oh, oh, that's what it's about. Oh, you know. Yeah. And then it seems I very, then it seems very clear, but it takes months of trying desperately to figure it out before I get there. If there was some way I could about ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice, huh? Story. That would be yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Other well, people who actually do that. Who actually just like sit sit down and write from start to finish and and without without the maze portion. Um, I've never met anyone like that. Um, and you know, if anybody, if there's anybody out there who does just sit down and write from start to finish without suffering the maze part, um, keep it to yourself because <laughs> every other writer isn't gonna like you very much. Yeah, I teach writing classes, and sometimes people ask me like, "How are you, like, how you can write the story if you don't know? Like, first, you figure out the story, and you sit down and write. It seems to be what people think, but I'm always like, well, how do you know what the story is? Like, if you figured it out, you've all, it seems like you've already written it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wish, you know, I wish that my process was you know, just sitting down. It's like, oh, I have this great idea for a story, and then I sit down, and, and it just kind of types itself out. But um, that is really far from the case. So, um, well, I've, I've asked you a bunch of questions, and I know that you had a few for me, so I want to um, give you a chance to ask those. Well, the first one is actually just about this question of process. I mean, when I, when I write a story, everything happens in, a, like, an imaginary space. I mean, I've never once written a story that actually was about me or anything that happened to me or involved anything that I did or any memories from my life or anything. Like, they're just, like, there's a character, and then I just sort of follow them and, and make it all up. Um, and I was struck reading your book by how it feels like every single thing that happened actually happened to you. Um, so like, oh, this, oh, that must have actually happened to her. Oh, someone must have actually said that. She must have seen this. Because uh, they're all such small, strange moments that I don't, like, I could never make them up. And so I assume no one can. <laughs> like, there was one moment um, where a character hears Obama giving a speech, and in it he says, there are people who've lost their homes and the narrator hears it as lost poems, um, which doesn't, like, I don't know how you think of that. So, excuse me. So I assume that that's something that happened, but I feel like that it's constant throughout the book. And so I'm just wondering, but then all, all these things are happening to different characters who are living very different lives. So it doesn't seem possible that could be the case. So I was just wondering how you actually write these stories. Do you begin with like a million little moments that you make up or remember? Or do these things just sort of rise up on the way when you need them? Or what, what are you doing over there is my question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, you know, in terms of like all the, the, all the little details, like the... Um, you know, uh, 
the, the Obama speech and uh, she hears, he says all the lost homes and she hears all the lost poems. And um, little, you know, all those kind of little details find their way into my stories from my writing journals because I'm, you know, I'm a spiral notebook person and whenever uh, I hear, I overhear a great line or, um, you know, something, something strikes me that's just completely random, I'll, I'll jot it down. And then when I'm, when I'm trying to write a story, I'll turn back to those notebooks and see if I can fit some of these clever or bizarre or, um, you know, or whatever snippets um, in, into the story to see where they, where they, where they work. And a, a lot of the little details in um, the stories in this collection are autobiographical. Um, uh, some of them are uh, little snippets shared with me by friends, um, and so it's it's been stated many times, don't share anything with Karen because otherwise it might find its way into a story. Um, uh, but um, that that's where all those little little details come from. Um, you know, just things that I see, things that I hear, things that people tell me, things that I read in the newspaper. Um, so you just have like thousands uh, of little notebooks? <laughs> pretty much. Um, uh, pretty much. But I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story. Um, so in the in the title story, the secret games of words. Um, the narrator loses her job, and she loses it because of a typo, and. Um, she uh, she works for the mayor and she writes in the in the press release. Um, City council shifts on mayor's new policy, and it was supposed to have said shifts, and she gets fired, and blah blah blah. And that little press release typo detail um, really happened. Um, and this was and I'm dating myself here, but. Um, I used to live in Washington, D.C., and um, I was an intern in college um, on Capitol Hill, and one of my friends worked in the Reagan White House in the press department, and uh, Bob Dole sent over uh, a press release saying, you know, Senator Dole shits on president's policy or president shits on Dole's new policy. And this was back in the day of fax machines and everything. And so they faxed over this this press release. And so everybody in the White House was just, in the White House press department was just bent over laughing. So um, Ben, what are you working on now? Well, uh, I just finished another collection of stories just the other day, actually. So um, That's I'm in the process of Thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. Happy. Um, so I'm in the process of trying to sell that. And I put out a children's picture book last year, and I've been working on another one of those, but that one's not done yet. But mainly the collection. 
What about you? Uh, I'm working. Um, I have a novel uh, that's ha- about halfway done, but that's been back burnered uh, to work on uh, a memoir. And um, uh, but it's, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the weeds on it. I'm uh, you know I'm just. I'm I'm really fortunate. I'm I'm about to start a, a fantastic uh, workshop um, with Samantha Dunn, the awesome, awesome Samantha Dunn, and um, so I'm really, really hoping that that workshop will help me find my way through because I'm just at that in that awful place. Um, I don't know if this happens to you, but just where I'm stuck, and um, you know, I'm I'm just kind of scratching my head, going, you know, what's this? damn book about what's what's it even supposed to be about so i'm in that very frustrated um phase so but that's but that's what i'm working on so um it doesn't feel that that productive these days but i get you know i tell myself hey everybody goes through that so um but um we're about i'm going to start to 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 wrap it up because we've been talking for a little while now um but i just wanted to ask you ben just one one last question um you're also a screenwriter what's your take on how the skill sets of a screenwriter and a short story writer are the same and what's your take on how those skill sets are Well, I mean, there's all kinds of story writers, you know. Um, I I can say how screenwriting impacted me as a short story writer, but I think that in general they are not very related. But for me, screenwriting taught me to always think in visual terms, um, to put everything out there in the form of action um, and dialogue, uh, and and not to not to stay internal. And so that's what I do. I mean, I basically write screenplays except very short ones for what would I guess be like animated films. That's basically what I do. No, there's no stream of consciousness. There's no, there's no interior in my stories. Um, so screenwriting just completely formed me as a short story writer. This is very different from what most short story writers do. Um, the, the main thing that's different for me from writing screenplays is just that in screenplays you have to, I was not very well suited to writing screenplays and I wasn't very successful at it because what you have to do when you write a screenplay is you have to constantly uh, puff everything up, you have to constantly inflate things, drag things out, make things longer, you have to pump up the drama in every scene. After you're constantly adding characters, you're making things more real. Um, whereas my impulse is always to shorten things as much as possible and to sort of cut across the drama, make things like if, whenever possible, I try to make things both sort of tense and also funny. I like to sort of make fun of the scary things at the same time as, as they're frightening. And that's very hard to do in a screenplay. You have to take things, I think, much more seriously in the screenplay. Um, you're not really allowed to parody yourself at the same time. 
Um, and I just don't really like writing arguments. And that's really the main thing is that so much of screenwriting is about getting characters in a place and having them argue. I don't, I don't like doing that. If I were to write screenplays, I think I would be most successful if I were writing like action movies, which is bizarre because I don't want to do that. But um, things where it's just purely physical action, I would probably be most suited to. But that wasn't what I was doing and not what I would want to do. So, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes as much sense as it can make to um, someone who hasn't, who, who actually has no screen screenwriting uh, uh, background whatsoever. But yeah, I get it. And especially, I especially get it after having read your collection and kind of familiarized myself with your very unique voice. I mean, in, you know, I think that your, your story, the stories in this collection are they're very soft and they're very understated and um, and yet you know horrifying at, at, at some points and 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 digging very deeply so like it, you have like this deceptively quiet voice so um, with with that voice in mind what you said about you know your feelings about screenwriting art I mean it makes absolute sense to me having having read your work but well listen um i guess about all the time that we have uh tonight but ben uh thank you so much for joining me i really enjoyed talking to you and i really enjoyed this collection and uh anyone out there who's listening um uh stories for nighttime and some for the day it's, it's a super collection i recommend that you that you pick it up and then you'll Sounds like soon you're going to have another uh, collection to choose from, too. So, Ben, thank you, and have a terrific night. You too. Thanks for having me on.